Good morning. How y'all doing today? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. We just want to welcome all our Christian Fellowship family uh, that are here today, watching online today. Again, just uh, want to remind everyone as we're in phase two of reopening, uh, please use hand sanitizer and social distance. Uh, again, the church van will not run uh, during phase two. We'll run it back in phase three. But with everything going on, how many of you could use some good news today? I want to start with some good news. Uh, now, don't quote me on this, but after last week, I think they fixed that global warming thing. I'm, I'm not sure, but something, ha something happened. <laughs> Amen. But now, joking aside, just continue praying for those that don't have power in Texas and all uh, water pipes uh, busting and things. So uh, continue praying for them. So I just want to remind everyone to stay connected and up to date uh, on our social media uh, page. In your bulletin, you'll notice this uh, QR code. Uh, you can scan that with your phone, uh, and it'll bring you to our website, Facebook, uh, prayer requests, and prayer wall that you can do. You can listen to sermons, uh, give online, and also take you to our YouTube channel. So we have all kind of ways that you could stay in touch. So just, uh, again, want to remind you of all those different things. Uh, also tonight at 7 p.m., New Generations uh, Kids Church, 6 to 11, will be uh, showing their uh, service from this morning at 7 p.m. on their uh, Facebook page. So if you have any kids, have them turn into that. Also, uh, my Sister's Hearts Book Club will meet Monday, March 22nd from the, uh, 5.30 to 8 p.m. in the back. Uh, they have some flyers in the foyer which tells you about the book that they're reading. If you have any questions, you could uh, talk to my wife or uh, Jordan and all in the back. Oh, that's her sister. <laughs> but uh, you could talk to them uh, for Ladies Book Club. I uh, want to uh, encourage you to do that. Also, Wednesday evenings, we're still going to be canceled until further notice, until we see that numbers are safe with uh, the COVID things. Uh, uh, I, I, I was saying till phase three, but I don't know how long they'll keep us in phase three. So just when we see numbers going down that it seems to be safe, we'll, we'll start our Wednesday nights again. All right. Just want to say happy birthday to anyone having a birthday this week. If you're here today and you're having a birthday between now and next Sunday, raise your hand. Sister Hazel? Uh, when? Tomorrow. Happy birthday. Let's tell her happy birthday. All right. She's excited. She said she's finally going to be legal. She's going to be 21. <laughs> Amen. Anyone else having a birthday? All right. What about anniversaries? Anyone have an anniversary in here today? Or this week, should I say? All right. Well, if you are online, we just want to tell you happy birthday and happy anniversary to you. What we're going to do now is receive our morning tithes and offerings. And first of all, I want to start with how you can give those of you that aren't here. You could uh, mail it in to Christian Fellowship Church, Post Office Box 1427, La Rose, Louisiana, 70373. Or you could go online to uh, www.welcometocfc.com and give online there. Uh, but the best way to give is in the house of God. We love to see your face. Amen. Amen. So if you would, let's stand to our feet as we read our uh, scriptures for our offering this week. Our scriptures are found in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. This is from the Good News translation. It says one-tenth, which translates a tithe, one-tenth, that's what the word tithe means, of all the produce of the land, whether grain or fruit, belongs to who? The Lord. 
Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the full amount of your tithes, which is one-tenth, to the temple so that there will be plenty of food there. Put me to the test and you will see that I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out on you an abundance of all kinds of good things. So take your offering, hold it in your right hand, and repeat after me this morning. Amen. Say, as I give in today's offering, I affirm that all the tithe belongs to the Lord and is holy. I have willingly set aside this sacred part of my income according to his word and by faith and obedience, I now bring my tithe into the storehouse, my local church. Amen. What we're going to do is we have three baskets along the front. As Aliska begins praying, uh, playing, not praying, just come on out your seats and drop your offering in a basket. to our feet as we get ready to worship this morning. I'll call the worship is, uh, praise and worship is from Hebrews 13, 15 this month, and it says this, let us then always, everybody say that word, always offer praise to God, make a sacrifice of praise to him. We need to push in and press in into his presence as a sacrifice through Jesus, which is the offering presented by the lips of of lips that confess him as Lord. Father, we come to you right now, and I'll turn this entire service over to you right now. Father, I pray for all those in the sound of my voice right now, Father God, that every blind eye be open to the truth of the gospel today, that every deaf ear hear the truth of your word today, Father God, that every mind uh, comprehend your word this morning, Father God, and our hearts, Father God, create a heart of worship inside of each and every one, Father, as we come to praise you, thanking you for what you've done already in the past, but also to worship you because you are a holy God and deserving of our worship. Father, for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody shouts, Amen. Amen. Let's clap our hands and worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
just begin to lift your hands. As Pastor Scott even prayed before, just begin to thank him. Thank him for what he's done. Thank him for what he's already done. And just begin to thank him for what he's going to do. God is not finished. God is not finished with us, church. God is not finished with our nation. God has not left us aside. He's not tossed us aside as his people. God is not finished. He's still on the throne. He has not stepped away. So just begin to thank him for all he's done, for all that he's going to do, for all that we've yet to see. Our greatest days are in front of us, but they're not behind us. Our greatest days are in front of us, church. Believe it. The greater things have yet to come. 
I'm defined by all his promises and shaped by every word he says.
is your father. He has not left you for dead. He's not left you to be trampled on and washed away. He is who he says he is. His promises for you are yea and amen. His promises for you are so much better than you could ever think or imagine. That's why his word says, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So you can't even begin to think or imagine how, God. Don't worry about thinking or imagining how. He said, just trust. Lean back, lay back on me. Rest on my shoulders. And just trust. I have planned out in detail days ahead. I've planned it out every fine detail. As I know the number of hairs on your head, I have planned out every detail. Every single thing. In ways that you cannot even think or imagine. But I've planned out every single detail. Every single child look to me for I have planned out every single fine detail and square inch of your future I have not left you I will never leave you or forsake you Just what to do 
special treat for y'all today. Uh, Brother Scott and Marcy Crosby's here today, and uh, they're always, uh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Always enjoy when they're here and things like that, and uh, we're going to ask them, to, Brother Scott, I don't know if Sister Marcy's coming with you or not, if you want to just come minister to us today in the Word of God. Amen. Man, thank you, Pastor Scott. It's a joy to be with you. Um, I was looking at, uh, keep a little sermon record book, and uh, actually, uh, it seems it should be October. I, I, for, for a number of years, I think probably as many as six or seven or eight years, um, uh, I would come here in the month of October for, I don't know why, I'm not, I'm not real sure about that, but anyway, it's so, it's so wonderful uh, to be here. We, we were not here, actually, in um, this past year, 2020. What a year, huh? 2020, my goodness. Uh, I want to start out by uh, thanking uh, this church. Um, you've heard about Hurricane Laura that so adversely affected Lake Charles. Uh, just absolutely. In fact, we came Friday uh, over the big Lake Charles Bridge, and that big tall 
must be about like a, I don't know, a 10-story building that just stands out there in downtown Lake Charles. I mean, there's still many, many, many of the windows, maybe all uh, that were busted out, still boarded up. Uh, a lot of blue um, tarps on top of the roofs and that. And so even in Abbeville, uh, Hurricane Laura did some roof damage uh, to our house. Uh, we, we had some, uh, a part of our roof had just broke off. And um, uh, Pastor Scott and this church uh, sent us a check, a considerable amount. That was a, a big, big help towards, a significant help towards uh, the repair uh, that needed to be made. So I, I want to thank you so, so, so very much for that. You know, um, speaking of Hurricane um, Boudreaux and Thibodeau, Uh, for you, for you, Pastor Scott. Uh, you know, they took it upon themselves to, to raise some money for the victims of Hurricane Laura. And so uh, they got permission uh, to, to stand outside of Walmart and to, um, you know, to have a, uh, they had a bucket and people would come in. And, and uh, so the people were coming in, of course, uh, Boudreaux and Thibodeau, they're so affable and, and friendly and outgoing. People were just generous, giving money. and they, I mean, they were collecting a lot of money for the hurricane victims. And all of a sudden, Thibodeau said, Boudreaux, Boudreaux, look, look who's coming to Walmart. He said, look, it's Tutu Duga. Y'all know Tutu? Tutu Duga was coming to Walmart. And Thibodeau said, Boudreaux. A lot of people put a lot of money in our bucket for the hurricane victim. But I bet you Tutu is not going to give one penny. Now, I've got to explain something. You know, Cajuns are known. Cajuns are known to be just very, very generous, very open-hearted, giving, give you the shirt off their back. And, but there are exceptions. And Tutu Duga was an exception. Shaq. He hold on to every penny. I mean, tight, tight, tight. Don't, no, no, wait, don't point. Hey, stop pointing to. Y'all don't know anybody like that, do you? But anyway, Tutu was like that. And, and so Tutu is coming and Boudreaux said, hey, listen. I'm not going to let him go in Walmart without giving something in my bucket. He's going to give something. So when Tutu came. Boudreaux took his bucket, and he's shaking it like that, and he said, Tutu, hey, you need to put something in my bucket. And Tutu, he was make like he don't even see Boudreaux. And, he, and, and Boudreaux said, hey, Tutu, you're going to put something in my bucket. And Tutu said, no. He said, Tutu, listen to me. He said, you're the richest man on the bayou. You got shrimp boat. You got oyster boat, you got land, you got crawfish pond. You're the richest man in all this bayou. You're going to put something in my, I know you got money in your pocket. I know that. Well, all of a sudden, Tutu turned to Boudreaux. And he said, yeah, Boudreaux, but what you don't know is that my old mama had surgery, a big surgery, and Medicare don't pay, and it costs thousands of dollars. And what else you don't know is that my sister husband died and he don't have no life insurance and he left her with four little children to take care of. 
And what you don't know, said Tutu, is that my brother fell and he hurt his back and he'd been in the hospital three months and the bill cost thousands of dollars. You didn't know that. Well, about this time, Boudreaux's feeling so bad. He said, oh, Tutu. He said, no. He said, I didn't know. And furthermore, said Tutu, I didn't give a dime to any of them. I'm sure not going to put anything in your bucket. <laughs> Tight. Whoa. And, and his, his brother, Roland, Roland Dugas. Y'all know Roland? Roland was very, very sick. In fact, they didn't know. They thought maybe he was going to die. He was in his room, in his bedroom. And, and he was in a coma. And, and his family is gathered around him. And, and all of a sudden, Roland opened his eye. And he said, is my wife, is my wife in this room with me? Oh, yeah, Beb. She said, here I am. I'm right here by your bedside. He said, is, is my children in this room right here with me? And his children said, yeah, Dad. Yeah, Pop, we, we all here. He said, is, is my grandchildren in this room here with me? And they said, yeah, Papa, we all here. We all here. Then he said, if y'all in this room with me, how come that light is on in the kitchen? Somebody go turn that light off. <laughs> Tight. Y'all don't know anybody like that. <laughs> oh, man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. We, uh, we were affected quite a bit in, in our ministry this past year, and it, it's just good to be in the pulpit. We've just recently, recently had a few occasions to, uh, to, to preach and speak. I'd like for you to stand with me. I want to read just a very, very brief um, text, and it's uh, Galatians 6, 9. In fact, my Bible is not even open to that. Galatians 6, 9. Here we go. Just a one text. I'm, you know, normally uh, I'm kind of an expository preacher. I usually preach from a, a series of verses. But today I'm just going to give you one text, and then I'm going to give you some, some points uh, that I believe the Lord put in my heart. Galatians 6, 9. <clears throat> and let us not grow weary. I'm reading from the New King James. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this is a, a familiar scripture. I've heard this scripture most of my life. But Father, I, I just pray that even as recently you've, you've kind of you've put this in my heart and in my spirit about, about not giving up. I just pray that you would, the Holy Spirit would just speak that to all of our hearts today. Lord, particularly if there's, if there's some that are here today that, Lord, uh, just felt like giving up. I just pray that the wind of the Holy Spirit would just breathe new life and encouragement to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. you may be seated. The New Living Translation says, so let us not get tired, get tired 
of what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. If we don't give up. Be not weary. Let us not get tired. Weariness, fatigue, tired. has. If there's a common sentiment for this past year that I've heard from so many people, even recently, I'm so tired of this COVID, so tired of this quarantine, so tired of hearing about uh, this, uh, this, this pandemic, so tired, weariness. But the scripture here admonishes us to not be weary in doing good. When COVID started last March, did you ever imagine that a year later we would still be affected by it? Weariness, tiredness. And for some, it is even sorrow and distress. It's not just weariness and tiredness. That uh, not necessarily, some of us have, have uh, been able to continue in our jobs and, and our income has not been affected. But some are reeling with sorrow and distress and, and fear and loss. We were just um, recently on a Zoom. Actually, I preached uh, a few weeks ago on a Zoom. Uh, it's my first experience uh, in California. Sacramento, California, Abundant Life Assemblies, and I was able to speak uh, uh, on a Sunday morning right there from my living room table. That was a first experience for me, but that's where we are today, right? And so I preached, uh, and, and I learned that Sunday that there was a family in the church that uh, there was, a, I believe, a grandmother who they thought was maybe dying. She was very, very ill, and... Um, so over a period of a few days, 50 family members, I'm talking about, you know, kids and grandkids and, you know, and brothers and sisters, 50 family members came to the house and to visit and, and see their grandmother at this time. And, and uh, they mingled and, you know, and, and some of them stayed over and things like that. The result was all 50 of them got COVID, and five of those family members died. So for some, it's, it's, it's more than just, you know, something that's an, an inconvenience. For some, there's great sorrow. We heard about a, a missionary friend, Nathan Thompson, and Nathan's daughter uh, was a, uh, a pretty serious diabetic, and of course, they're in Mexico. She was actually uh, their worship leader. Uh, in San Luis Potosi, Mexico. And uh, this young girl, uh, this 30, she's 37 years old. Uh, she, she got the virus and uh, became very, very ill. And, and they thought they could battle it at home. And, uh, and finally, she was so very, very sick and, and she was not able to breathe. And uh, of course, uh, where they live, they say the hospitals are, are inadequate. You know, they're not on the standard of U.S., and so they brought her to this, this local hospital in Mexico. And, of course, they couldn't go in, right? They had to drop her off at the door. The next day, the same parking lot where they dropped off their 37-year-old daughter at the hospital, the next day they were standing in that very same spot to receive her ashes. I'm talking about sorrow. Very, very distressful, tired, weariness, Fatigue, 
And it's easy to sometimes feel like giving up. But here, the Apostle Paul encourages us to not give up, but to keep on keeping on. And that's, that's going to be the, the gist of, of what I'm preaching about today, to keep on keeping on. And I believe we can, you say, how can we do that when we experience adversity? How can we do that in, in light of this pandemic, in light of, of other things? And, and, and some of you are going through other things that are, are completely separate and different from this pandemic. But you're going through these things in your life and in your family's life. Three things I would like to offer that may help us today to keep on keeping on. And the first one is this. By declaring it is well in the midst of our sorrow. It is well in the midst of our sorrow. Now, I'm not talking about being in denial. How many of you have ever known people that in, in, when they experience adverse situations, that they, they go into like a denial mode? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about pretending that the crisis or the problems, or the difficulties don't exist. I'm not talking about that we, we just say, well, these problems are not real. They're going to be like, uh, what, what is it, uh, Christian scientists, Christian science, Christian science, that, you know, say that, you know, all of this is kind of a, a fog, and it's not real, and you just, you know, you just got to think positive, and it's going to go away. We're not talking about that. Nor do we discount or dismiss the real hurting, suffering of others who are at this time overcome with sorrow. Well, you say, Pastor Crosby, how in the world can we as Christians declare it is well in the midst of sorrow? In this past year, our ministry, as I said a while ago, has been adversely affected by COVID in that we've lost opportunity. Basically, our suffering, our, you know, we've lost opportunity for services and meetings. You know, but... And, and, and just about the time when I want to complain, just about the time this year when I'm saying, oh, God, you know, it, as many of you know that we do kids ministry in the summer. And uh, we were going to be booked from June, July and in, into the part of August with VBS uh, and kids ministry and that. And, of course, uh, as we went towards April and May, these meetings began to cancel and cancel. And there was two holdouts. There was a. Uh, a church in Florida where they said, no, we're going we're gonna to have the kids uh, uh, program. Um, and, and then there was a church uh, here in Louisiana in, uh, in Kaplan that was holding out. And the last week of June, uh, they said, you know what? Uh, we just kind of had an outbreak in our church, uh, and so you better not come. So our whole summer was canceled. But when I began to feel sorry for myself, anybody ever feel sorry for yourself? And you begin to complain to the Lord. About that time, I'll open up a letter from a missionary to Chiapas, Mexico, or to Cuba, or Nepal, and read about people whose suffering and loss is many, multiple times worse. They're suffering. You know, the hotels, the, the international travel industry has just been absolutely devastated. And a lot of these people in these countries, they... Uh, you know, they ha make crafts and they make things and they work in the hotels, uh, you know, in, on the coast and things like that. And as there's trickle down uh, economic, that's all stopped completely. Villages, poor villages, people are absolutely starving because there's no there's no income that's been taken away from them. 
How in the world, as a Christian, can we declare it is well? Remember the story in 2 Kings 4 about the Shunammite woman whose little boy died in her arms. We know the story. It was a miracle baby. The prophet had come through and, and uh, she had been kind to the prophet. And he said, what can I do for you? She says, it's okay, no problem. And his servant said, she can't have kids. She's barren. She's not able to have children. The prophet Elijah turned to her and said, you're going to have a little boy about this time next year. Miracle baby. So now he's a little boy, maybe eight or nine or ten years old. He gets a fever and he dies in her arms. The Bible says that Shunammite woman laid him in his bed. Didn't say a word to anybody. Didn't even speak to her husband. Got the servant to get a donkey ready and she made haste. She went full speed to the place where the prophet was. She laid him in his bed and determined to get to the prophet Elijah. Now twice in verse 23 and 26, when someone said, Where are you going or why are you rushing to see the prophet Elisha at this time of the, the day? She replied, It is well. That was her reply. It is well. Or some translation says she said, It shall be well. She wasn't in denial, denial or, or pretending it didn't happen. But she, at that moment, had put her hope and her trust and her saying, it is well, was a statement of faith. It is well. It shall be well. We know she was in great sorrow. In verse 27, when she reached the man of God, she couldn't say anything. She just fell and grabbed his feet. And the servant of Elijah began to push her away. And Elijah said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. How in the world can a, a person with such anguish and distress and agony of soul say, it is well, or it shall be well? You know what? Her hope was in the Lord. And of course, we know that Elijah created a, made a miracle and the boy came back to life, declaring it is well or it shall be well in the time of deep distress. is not being naive or in denial, but it's a faith statement that reveals our level of trust in God. And that brings me to the second thing that may help us to keep on keeping on. And it's this. An intense trust, an intense trust that God is in control and that he knows what he's doing. Overwhelming sorrow can tend to make us forget what God has promised. I think about God's people, the Israelites. After years of disobedience and warnings from the prophet. The Lord had said, if you don't repent, if you don't turn back to me wholehearted, if you, stop, if you don't stop mixing Baal worship and the worship of the other gods uh, syncretically with uh, the worship of Jehovah, syncretic means mixing. And that's what they were doing for generations. They were mixing. Almost reminds us of our country founded on the principles of, of God's word and 
Over the years, we've had a, a diminishing of that. And, and, and so God says to, to Israel, I'm going to send judgment, warning and warning. And finally, they were sent into captivity. And when they were there, Psalms 137 expresses their sentiment. It said, by the rivers of Babylon, they were taken out of Israel and brought to Babylon. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and wept and hung our harps. That's a powerful statement. Because you see, the Jewish people, the, the, the Israelite people were a happy people. And they were a people of singing and rejoicing and worship. And so by the rivers of Babylon, we hung our harps. And, and it even goes further and says that the Babylonians said, hey, you are a joyful people, a people that you say believe in God. And now you, you're not singing. Sing to us. In a sense, they were missing an opportunity to be an influence. And that's another thing that can happen when we're in distress and, and we're, we're overcome with, with sorrow about, about what's happening to us. We, we cease to be an influence to those who really, really need our influence for God. And so by the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and we hung our harps. And one might say, well, that's understandable. They had been ripped away from their home and brought to Babylon. That's understandable that, you know, that they were sorrowful. But I want to take you to Jeremiah chapter 29, where the prophet Jeremiah said, because of your disobedience, God is allowing you to go into Babylon, but you will be there for 70 years years and while you are there the lord says build houses plant gardens and eat the harvest of them what this is where they were sorrowful and in anguish about their loss but god says uh -uh, listen listen and pray for the city where you live have sons and daughters and grandchildren that you might have peace is that possible? In a time of, we're possibly in a time of, you know, we, we hear about cancel culture, Pastor, and we hear about, you know, the, uh, uh, in this change of administration where, um, you know, that, that uh, some of the things that uh, the Christians uh, stand for, and I'm talking about the areas of abortion and things like that, are being reversed. And, and you know, uh, can, can, is it possible? That even in adversity in our nation, in politics, that we can have peace? Pray, he said, for the city where you live, that you might have peace. But we're in Babylon. We're in a, in, in a heathen place, God. How can we have peace? But God said, you plant vineyards. You have sons and daughters and grandchildren. Pray for the city where you live. And then in verse 11, listen to this. That off-quoted verse, because I know, says the Lord, the thoughts that I think towards you. God has not forsaken us. He's not abandoned us. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I'm going to tell you something. An intense trust that God is in control and that he knows what he's doing. My prayer today is, Lord, it's so easy to say I trust you when everything is going great. But during a sorrowful time, during an adverse time, let me have that intense, that magnificent, that marvelous trust in you. And thirdly, to keep on keeping on. 
Because in due season we shall reap. Doesn't mean that everything will go back exactly like it was before. We want it to. In our humanness, we love consistency and predictability. It gives us a sense of security. All is right with the world. But in reality, nothing stays the same. Our lives are in constant flux. Life is changing. Life is different today than it was for you 10 years ago. You're entering, as you grow older, you're entering new seasons in life. And in a sense, this message is for me. Because at this time in our life, things that, you know, happened and we in, were involved in in ministry is beginning to shift and change. But God's grace, listen to me, God's grace is available to adapt to every season of change. Reaping, not becoming weary and well-doing, reaping in due season doesn't mean that everything will go back to how it was before. In 1 Kings chapter 19, the prophet Elijah, is, his life is threatened by King Jezebel. And we find Elijah engulfed. And it's so different from all of the preceding chapters where we see Elijah as a champion, a man of God, miracle worker. We see Elijah uh, confronting the 400 prophets of Baal. What a victory on Mount Carmel. But now all of a sudden in this chapter, he is so engulfed in sorrow. Everything has come to an end. He sees no hope for the future. An angel comes to feed him in the wilderness. And God speaks to him. And the Lord says, in essence, Elijah, your work for me is not over. Nowhere do we see Elijah going back to being the miracle worker anymore that he was before. Isn't that something? But God says, don't despair. Your life is not over. I still have a work for you to do. And then the Lord outlines what he's going to be doing. Yeah, but Lord, wait, wait a minute. I was the miracle worker. There was absolute, there was raising from the dead. There was miracles. There was, there was uh, the woman who, who, uh, uh, whose cruise of oil never ran out and, and who, uh, the flower never ran out. There was amazing miracles. God said, but that season is over. But it's not the end. It's not the end. It will be different, but I'm in it. I'm convinced that as people of faith, we must not stay stuck pining for a season that has passed. Last March, I wanted everything to continue as it was. It was good. I'm talking about ministry-wise. It was good. It was comfortable. It was working well for me. And COVID was the sudden unwanted disruption. But I want to tell you right now, my responsibility is not to wait for everything to get back to the way it was, but to discover where God is going at this season. Do you believe that? Do you believe that right now God has a plan and a purpose for your life at this season, at this time, post-COVID or in the residual and the continuation of 2020 into 2021? God has a plan 
for your life. God wants us to have so much confidence in Him that in the face of gradual or even sudden or unexpected disruption, we can remain at peace. God has a plan for you at this season. Remember, times of uncertainty are only uncertain to us. They are not uncertain to God. God knows where He's going. God knows His plan for your life. In closing, just recently, I I reread a story of a a woman by the name of Celia. And the story takes place in the late 1930s. Celia was a a young girl, and she was living up in Wyoming or Montana, fell in love with this uh, wild bad boy from Montana by the name of John. She fell in love with him, but he he was a drinker. He drank heavily. And she said, and he said, marry me. And she said, I won't marry you until you stop drinking. And he said, well, I can do that. And he did for a very short time. She married him, and he began to drink. And they fell on hard times, and he drank even more. And he, his drinking became just absolutely out of control. He was drinking everything he could get his hands on. They, the family began to suffer I think Celia was from a more of a well-to-do um, home, but now she was in poverty. They had a baby girl by the name of Juanita, and Celia got to the point where she was in absolute sorrow and distress. She said, I'm better off dead. If I die, even my baby will be better off because my family will take the baby. And all she could do, the devil lied to her, and all she could do was think, I gotta, you know, I gotta get out of this life. It's the end. It's not worth it. It's hopeless. And she found herself one night, she her husband was somewhere at a bar drinking. She put the baby to bed to sleep, and she took off and she headed for a bridge, I believe, over the Platte River up somewhere in Wyoming or Montana, got to the middle of that bridge over that raging water and she was going to to jump in and every time she'd come to the railing she just began to weep and sob and and she then she began to cry out to God and say God I, I, I it's hopeless there's no hope for the future it's over how can I you know my baby will be better off with my family just you know I just can't I just can't go on and all of a sudden right there on that rail of that middle of that bridge a hope began to fill her heart and said, you know, if you will let me, what she heard in her spirit, if you will let me, I will help you to get through it. And she just grabbed on to a little bit of hope. In fact, she admits that one of the thoughts that came in her mind was, you know, he's, he's so absolutely out of control and reckless in his drinking that he probably won't live very long. I may not have to put up with this very long. But some way, somehow, she got a hope in her heart. She went back. Baby was still sleeping in bed. She continued to, to live in that very, very deplorable situation. But less than a year from that time, in an alley or somewhere on the street, someone came and found her husband and began to preach to him the gospel of Jesus Christ. He sobered up. He opened his, ho- his heart to the Lord. 
he went home and he told his wife, he said, God delivered me. He had some, he had some backsliding over the next year, kind of, you know, back and forth and back and forth. But anyway, his, he got stronger and stronger in his following the Lord and his faith. And after a year or two, uh, her home was what she desired. And he turns to her and says, God has called me to preach. John and Celia Dodge preached all through the night, I guess, by the, the late 1940s, the 50s, the 60s. Almost every one of, she had nine more children after Juanita. And all ten of them, I believe almost all ten, maybe not every one, but are in some kind of ministry, missionary. Uh, John and Celia ended up going to Africa for a time as missionaries. Uh, they, I know the family personally because they were uh, involved in the Bible school that I went to in San Antonio. In fact, that baby Juanita um, is the mother of a very, very dear friend of mine who pastors in Channel View, Texas. You know, it's not hopeless. It's not, it's not the end. Elijah thought it was the end. Celia thought it was the end. But God is saying to you today that in a time even of sorrow, that God wants to say to us, keep on keeping on. Keep on. Don't give up. Don't become tired and, and weary because in due season, if you continue, if you stay steadfast, if you stay steady, you will reap if you faint not. Can we bow our hearts today? Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you for this word. And, and Lord, it's just a simple message to, to not become weary, not get tired of doing what's good. For just at the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And Lord, I, I believe you put that on my heart this morning. Possibly there's someone here that you've been recently very, very tired of doing good. You've become so tired and, and weary in, in your struggle, maybe with the events of this past year, maybe with COVID, maybe with, you know, not seeing the things that you hoped for and the things that you desired. Maybe there's some of you that have been recently experiencing fear, a great amount of fear. And I just feel to say to you today that this morning, God can touch you and just bring absolute deliverance of that spirit of fear from you. In Jesus' name. Father, right now, I just wonder, maybe heads are bad, eyes are closed. Is there someone maybe that this message, uh, this word has just touched your situation? Just lift your hands up. God is speaking to you today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, right now, I just pray for these lovely folks. I pray for these, Lord, that the devil has been lying to and, and just bringing discouragement and, and sorrow at this time. And I just pray, Father, that if there's some, Lord, you particularly you've just, you've just put in my heart about this spirit of fear. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of fear that has overcome and overwhelmed in Jesus' name. Let it be lifted up and gone. Speak a word of peace. Let their life be filled with peace. They may not see, and the natural may not see the answer today or tomorrow, but let them know, let them have such an intense trust and a confidence in you 
Lord, that they know, that they know, that they know, that they know in their heart that God is in control and he has a plan for their life, that he has his thoughts are on them, as we read the verse a while ago, to give them a hope and a future. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, peace, peace. Father, I just pray for this church, this pastor. Lord, just let the blessings of God flood this place. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you, pastor. Amen. As he was closing, I was reminded of a, I'd read, and I always was intrigued with World War II and everything about that, and I'd read an article on uh, Holocaust survivors, those that went in the concentration camps, and many of them were gassed and killed millions, uh, uh, but a lot of them died of starvation and different things, and if you look back and see the horrible images of the way to, they look like skeletons with skin on. And um, they interviewed a lot of survivors uh, many years after, and they asked them, how did they make it through? And all of them had the same thing. They said, we never gave up hope. Said those that died, you could tell that they had given up hope. But they said, we always trusted. And as bad and dire as it seemed, we never gave up hope. And that hope, as long as you could hold on to the hope. You hear me? Hold on to the hope. I always like to say it this way. You know why you woke up today? Because God's not finished with you. God still has a purpose for you. The enemy wants to come to kill, steal, and destroy. But God has a purpose. That's why you're still here. That's your hope to hold on to. Amen. And, and just as, as quick as our world changed in March of last year, God can move that quick again in your life. Amen. So let's stand to our feet as we just close in prayer. I want to, I want to thank Brother Scott and Sister Marcy for being here with us again. Uh, although it wasn't October, it was still good, Brother Scott. <laughs> Amen. Father, I just come to you right now. And as we leave this place today, Father, I just speak your blessings upon each and every one here, Father. All those that are going through anything in their life right now, Father God, I just pray that you give them the strength to hang on to the hope that we have in you, Father. That you are able to do more than we could even ask or imagine. Father. In Jesus' name we pray. As we leave this place, let us be a light into this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise as we leave this morning. God bless you. We love you.